Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I couldn't be more jazzed for today's show. I'm so delighted to welcome from far across the oceans, our first caller, Sundar, all the way from India. Sundar, I am so grateful for your making time this evening to join me. Yeah, good evening. So, Sundar, you've been a real supporter of Say It Skillfully, and uh, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. What's on your mind today? Yeah, actually, I was thinking that at workplace, sometimes we come across the situation where we want to say no to some of my colleagues, or it may be senior, or sometimes it may be junior also. But it becomes very difficult, especially in Indian context, to say no to any anyone at the workplace. So that's where I struggle and face difficulty. Thank you for that. I think that uh, I can appreciate in the Indian context, and I would say, at least in my experience in North America, that's not always easy either. I appreciate you bringing yeah. that up. So, Sunder, you know, I know the, the broader context, but if you think about what's going on for you, and maybe you can give an example uh, of recently when you had to do it, what, what do you think is going on for you before you say anything to the yeah, other person. Uh, yeah, suppose uh, suppose I've been working on some important project and in between one of my team members comes and he shares to um, work on some other projects. But uh, uh, at that time, I feel that if I deny for that, uh, he may mind it and he may not feel good. That is the one thing. And second thing, I also don't want to lose focus from my own work, the important project which I'm working upon. So that is the dilemma always. <clears throat> It's great. And those, those are two great pieces of information. So let's take the first one about how the other, you don't want the other person to feel a certain way. And I think it's always great to be, so transparency is our friend. So first and foremost, getting a good relationship with yourself is saying, hey, what you're trying to do, Sunder, is yeah. to be service to the whole. So just know that's where you're coming from. As opposed to I'm right, I'm, I'm better, he's better, anything like that. If you, if you think about the whole reason why you're there in that organization is to help the organization thrive. So be solid on your foundation with that footing. Okay. And then if you're worried about something, the first thing is, and, and this is the meta skills we've talked about with compassion, with real genuine looking someone in the eye, right? Not at the sky or down, down at your feet. They look at, I, I don't want to come across as X. Just be really upfront about your worry if you will, because that puts it out into the, if you will, shared reality. So the person realizes, look at this isn't necessarily easy for you either. Okay. Thank and you. then, thank yeah, you so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you see how that person responds and then just kind of be with them. If they look, you know, you look uh, concerned or you look, just, just work with them on the emotional state before you start to solve for it. Because if you're connected, if you're connected, it then becomes much easier. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. The line which you have said, compassion and looking in the eye of the person, that is really very powerful and I will definitely implement it right from today. 
That was great. And then the, your second thing you talked about was, look, at you got other things to do, which is totally fair. And so helping people appreciate the impact yeah. of what, because again, they're in their shoes, you're in your shoes. And say, oh, I can appreciate that you've got lots to do. And, and just, you know, again, showing some empathy for that, saying, you know, so now we had planned for you to do that. What do you think the impact is if you don't do that? So it's just helping connect the dots for someone, but not in a judging or other, otherwise accusatory kind of way. Um, because I think that's where people, they feel like, well, look, at I got stuff to do, right? So it gets very irritating. <laughs> like, I'm busy too. Yeah. And, and you are. So, so, it's, so it's not to say you should um, not say anything about that. It's just in, in the manner that you do that. How is that all yeah. landing? Thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Molly, for your wonderful tips. And uh, I'll be so thankful and I'll be happy to share the feedback after some time once I start doing it. Well, that sounds great. So let me ask you, is, um, does this... Does, do you have a different uh, feeling about it if it's a junior person, someone on your team versus a boss, for example? Yeah, I have. Uh, because, uh, see, for junior person, I can convince him easily as compared to my senior. So whenever I want to say no to my senior, it takes uh, double efforts, you can say. But for junior, I can manage to do at least. But for senior, it is uh, much difficult. I appreciate you bringing that up, and I, I wanted to call that out because I think that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. So, Sunder, let's think about yeah. what makes it easier for you to go there with a senior. And it might be that consider that the senior person wouldn't want you to be in a bad position. But they, that's not what they want for their employees, right? They want you to do your best work. And so often starting yeah. with that positive intention, so-and-so, Wow, I'm. I know you would want to create the best environment for me and for all of us to do the best work. And so, and if it's a little edgy for you, you can say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of going out on a limb, and I hope you'll receive this in the way that I'm intending with a lot of positive intention. So just be really transparent. And boy, it's you know, with that kind of authenticity to try to do the right thing, it would be hard to knock that down as a leader. Yeah. Did that, sure. Does that think that would help you? Is that would that help you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It will help me a lot. Thank you so much, and I will be happy to share the feedback after some time. That sounds fantastic, Sundar. I appreciate your joining me from so far away. I know it's late, um, and so if I can help you uh, in the future, let me know. And I always thank you for for uh, being part of the solution. So kind of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care. It's such a joy to have people from around the world here. So now we're going to take it back to uh, more local for me in uh, New York City. I'm going to welcome William. William, thanks for taking time to join us today. What's on your mind? Good morning, Molly. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. So I, I love I love what you're doing. I love the podcast. I love this radio show, and I am a big fan of Say It Skillfully. I watch all of the releases as soon as they come out, and they've been very, very effective for me. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, as, as I endeavor to uh, improve my personal saying it skillfully, it, it's come to 
to my realization that being a skillful communicator has applications way beyond your business life. And it's also super important to be a skillful communicator in your personal life, especially with your family. And for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer and I have college age kids. I find communicating with my college age children very, very mystifying. And and I'm hoping we can get into some of that and, you know, maybe you can help me pick up some skills for saying it skillfully with my children. Well, I can't thank you enough for raising this point because for me, at the end of the day, Gary, all this say it skillfully at work, it really is about our most dear relationships, which um, for most are at home. And I have had, you know, folks I've worked with and they've come back to me and said, you know, this work stuff is great, but I'm a better mom. I'm a better husband. I'm a better brother, sister, aunt. And so I appreciate your raising this. And I, and you know, the, the Carly video was very near and dear to me last week with my niece. Um, and a lot of people really related to that because, you know, I think that's, you know, that's, that's why we do our work, right? We're doing our work so that we can help our, those we love the most thrive. So uh, the college kids, and I've, I don't have my own kids, but I do have uh, quite a few nieces and nephews in college. So share with me a bit about what's, what are the challenging, what's your experience? What's the challenging parts of communicating with your college-age kids? So how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> we have all the time for you, William. So, you know, I know you've only got a, uh, a limited slot here, and I don't want to take up time. I'm sure there's a stack of callers behind me, but, you know, if, if you could help me and other listeners perhaps with sort of a framework for, you know, asking a question, trying to get more information without turning the questioning into an interrogation. I find with, with college age kids, they shut down rather rapidly and you get sort of a blank, somber look and you know, there's not going to be any more two way communication. And, try to avoid that, you know, but I want to get information. I want to find out what's going on. It's, it's super important, but I don't want to sound like I'm an interrogator. That's never very effective. And then, you know, there's a big difference between the way my generation approached life, work, love, et cetera, in the way that millennials approach those very same things. And it's almost like they have a different language, and, you know, what, what do you suggest? What have you seen in your experience as a very successful consultant working with people who are coming up against, you know, trying to be understanding but not becoming an interrogator and working with people who are coming at it from a totally different vantage point? Yeah, this is great. Everyone's nodding their head, I can imagine. Uh, okay, so so I'm going to take this on two angles, and one is I would say your the ideal state of setting it up um, in advance, meaning you've you've talked about the norms and how they haven't left yet for college. So this the conversation um, for I call this with the work folks, you know, what atmosphere is going to help us to thrive, and with the kids, you know, look at this is it's the kids are leaving. There's an empty nesting. Some some parents are really excited. Others are freaking out. And I think, you know, having a heartful, um, open-hearted conversation about, hey, you know, you're excited to go. How do you feel? And 
And then helping the child appreciate what's it like for us. I mean, I've had very open conversations with my nieces and nephews because, you know, their parents are very attached to them. What's it like? And, and so they, they get it. And so the ability to just say, hey, where are we all at? And then you're going off here. We want, you know, you're your parents. We've done everything we possibly can and we'll continue to help you be successful. And, you know, we would like to know how you're doing at school. And so working out, you know, what's something that's comfortable for you we don't want to have to like text you all the time and to find a time, you know, what's going to work and just say, I appreciate that. We're, we just want to know you're well. We, we, you know, we just would appreciate a chance to chat with you. I mean, I do have some friends who haven't done this. And so they're like every three or four weeks that they get a text, like, Oh my God, our child's alive. You know, we're really happy. So that ideally would be how you set up an advance. You know, what could we do each week to chat? And we don't want you to feel like we're infringing on your life, you know, vice versa. We just want to know you're well. And then also, you know, when, when, when you're having, a, if you're having a tough time, if, you know, we want to be there for you. So creating space for the times when it's not so super, you know, I, I've seen kids go to school and sometimes it's not, it doesn't work out great and they may feel a little bit uneasy about reporting that. So creating the openness for it not being perfect. I mean, for, I almost left my school freshman year. I mean, I was having a miserable Time. So that would be ideal in the in in the setup, um, and especially when things don't go quite quite great. How is that going to happen? Now, the the more usual is that they've gone off. We haven't had this conversation, right? And you're like, okay, what do we do? Like, you know, you and your wife are strategizing. How do we get to there to the kids? So I, I do think it's 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 never too late to say, hey can we have a chat with you? And we just want to make these next few years really go great with you. So this framework of um, your intention, the caring that comes across for the child, and it may be hard because everyone's in their own shoes, whether you're at work, at home, it's just helping them appreciate what it's like in your shoes and you know that you're here for them forever and, and what would teamwork look like? And teamwork is something they know at school, it's something they know in sports. They may not think of their parents as a team. And, you know, they need your money. They, there's things that they need from you. We all know that, right? So just helping without making that um, something that you wedge at them, just saying, hey, we're here to support and what, what, what's going to help us to thrive? So that's kind of the, the transparency of what's like for you, for what it's like for them. Um, the ability to be in each other's shoes, to define what team looks like or just some general guidelines. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of wondering to what extent you feel like you've had the quality of conversations you had when they were before they left college, because that also, I think, um, comes into play. That's a very good point. I, I mean, I'm sure as any parent would, would tell you that uh, it's directly inverse to age. You know, when you when your kids are very little, you're their entire life. So you know a lot, learn a lot. And as they get older, you become less important to the point of, you know, providing simply, you know, access to the car and access to some form of money or credit card or, you know, some one of the many... Uh, you know, forms of electronic payment. So, uh, and I think that's uniform. I think it's pretty, you know, consistent across most parent-kid relationships. But, uh, you know, college is especially um, 
uh, stressful for parents in the sense that your kids, like, like your friend said, oh, my God, my kids are still alive, and that's great to know because, you know, it, you can go a couple of weeks, three weeks, whatever the case may be, without any communication whatsoever, and you just really want to know that everything's fine. You don't want to be meddling. You don't want to be prying. And, again, you don't want to interrogate. But, you know, how do we develop effective communication skills around this very important time for both you and your child? And I think the the model you just described of setting, you know, these goals and, and making the child or helping the child understand that, you know, it's just about communicating and making sure that everybody's good and that you're happy and healthy and and, and thriving, such that we're not in a situation that you were in in freshman year. And I don't mean to make light of that, but, you know, that, that happens more often than not. And, you know, parents, get the double whammy of, well, I'm here, I'm accessible, I'd love to be able to help my kid, but I'm just cut off, and I don't understand why, and I know my kid needs help, and, you know, it's doubly frustrating. Yeah, So yeah. Let me, let me just go through this. In the, let's take it back to the high school piece about the, you know, not feeling appreciated, and I think, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a parent. I've seen, I have sisters, I have nieces and nephews. I've seen this. And it's really hard to not be emotional. You spoiled brat. You're not appreciative. You know, the things that parents do, right? The, from the little to the large is extraordinary, right? There is just such a noble cause to raise children. So the ability to really not trigger and to be angry or otherwise resentful or snarky with your child, even though it may be warranted, even though it may be warranted, is really hard. The ability to say, darling, I, um, we're going to, we're going to try that again, you know, come down the stairs again. And I would appreciate, you know, a, a cheerful and respectful good morning. So just go back up there and let's try it again. And as opposed to, oh, so I make you breakfast and you're sitting here, you're like, un, you know, ingrateful child. And I, I get that that's really hard. Um, if you can model that and it still, it may not, work perfectly, but you're modeling it, right? And you know that it's the reinforcement over time. I had a friend who went away to boarding school and she was not an easy kid. She admits this. And every week her parents sent her a loving letter. You know, she was a just not a, and then she said, you know, finally it's sunk in. They just modeled it. You know, it's the kill them with kindness sort of thing. So, you know, it, not, and when you're not rested and, you know, you're not taking care of self-care because a lot of the parents are really going all at it. They've got sports, they've got music, you know, they're going nuts. So a lot of empathy and compassion for you folks. And to the extent that you can take a deep breath and really be that example for your child emotionally, it's great because it's hard. I mean, it's hard as adults. And so having compassion for that, and it may not work out at that moment, but no, some years forward, they'll remember that. So that, I just, I just throw that out there in the, in the, in the high school-ish kind of ages just to try to prepare for the college stuff. When they're away, I mean, and, and I, I've, you know, I've had this where you have to go up, you have to go up there. You're like, we need to see you. We're not really sure what's going on. You know, hopefully the ability to say, look at love. We, can we have a call? How are you sounding? What's going on for you? We're only caring. We're not trying to be meddling. We know it's not easy. Is there someone else you can talk to? Just at least getting some ability for the person to feel safe. Even if they don't tell you everything and to be really patient on it and to celebrate 
that, okay, okay, it's great that you chatted. Should we, should we chat in a couple days and see how you're doing? What can we do? You know, and just shower them with love. And again, it may not, you may not get it a fulfillment with knowing everything, but having a connection, um, realizing that just the ability for them to call or to text back is a win is great. Now, the other thing is the impact. So this happened with my sister. The, her son would text back, yes, no. So you're like, well, that's, you know, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing, but it's not exactly information. And so her ability to say, gosh, you know, we're getting these short answers, and we're not sure, your father and I, if you're angry with us um, or if we upset you. And, and you know, my nephew was like, what? So that they may not appreciate the impact. And so, again, without making anyone bad or wrong, helping them understand the impact on you and your wife is a way for them to appreciate the broader system impact. And, you know, they, maybe they won't do the right thing, but it, it's a little bit harder if they realize they're torturing their parents <laughs> knowingly. They may not want to do that. So at least you're, you're helping them re, you know, own the impact that they're having. I'll pause. How's that land? I think it's spot on. I, I, I love it. I think it's a very effective toolkit for uh, opening up the dialogue and, and engendering, you know, good faith communications without stepping on toes and being, you know, an overbearing parent. And uh, very, very helpful. Thank you so much. Is there a learning about, I'll ask the takeaways, top takeaway in two parts. Is there a learning that you're having about yourself through our little chat? Oh, my God, yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I, would, I would dare say many parents are mystified. It, it's a mystery. It's a mystery for you. It's a mystery on, on uh, you know, that that you may be perceived as something as unhelpful. Um, and it's, and obviously, as I pointed out at, at the opening of the question, you know, communicating with your college age kids uh, can be incredibly mysterious. So yes, I think it's a very good part of it. <laughs> what is your learning about those? That's your learning about you. What's your learning about the, you know, your kids, any insight you have from this? about your kids? That the, uh, the, the things that you as a parent have strived to provide, the safety, the security, the comfort, uh, uh, can be, um, while well-intended, incredibly disruptive and many many times it's more about emotional well-being that you may be completely disregarding or not paying enough attention to that is so much more prevalent in your child's mind i think that was staggering for me personally but you know you've had a lot more experience with this what do you think yeah, I think this emotional state to, to what you raised is is the starting point and, and being there and being connected gives you as a, a, a place to start. And if people jump to, how come you're not doing that? How come you're not doing that? And barking out orders, not unlike at work when people are jumping to task, you know, it doesn't, 
go that well. People don't feel that they've been heard and it can build as resentment. And that's, you know, that was a real driver for all the say it skillfully, Gary, because I could see it was really obvious to me that the people weren't, you know, feeling heard and they didn't know how to be heard. And, and it wasn't really just the other person's fault. It was something that we all had to own. And so the ability to have call out what emotions are, how do people feel? If you ask people, how do you feel? Lots of people don't actually answer with how am I feeling? They answer with what they're doing. They answer with what they're doing. And you're not trying to get over crazy, like, you know, psychiatric, but it is a real skill set to just have a sense for what's going on for me. And so terms like, hey, what's going on for you? You know, we, your mom and I just want to be helpful. What could we do? And if it's not helpful, let us know. And we'd appreciate knowing it's not helpful in a respectful way and start to kind of model for them and just give them some words and vice versa. And when, when you get a snarky reply, gosh, you know that, if, if you heard that from me, how would you feel? And not in a directive barking way, but in a really heart, open hard way. And I get it is hard, you know, for all the folks out there listening, it's not easy, you know, when, when you're just like, oh, I've been doing so much for you and this, you know, doesn't seem to be gratitude or appreciation or at all. And, um, know that that's you know that is the thankless task of parenthood so often very well said very well said thank you so much so gary thanks for opening the door here um i would be thrilled if you'd loop back let me know if you're able to to break uh break some new ground with your kids and if i can be of help in the future please let me know Um, and most of all thank you for being part of the solution Well, I appreciate that. And again, thank you for all that you're doing and uh, keep the videos coming. They're very, very helpful. Thank you. Take care. We'll take a quick break now. You're listening to Say It Skillfully. I'm your host, Molly Chang. I'll be back live with you shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent by identifying the most critical roles, designing the roles, then powering them up with the right incredible talent Their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role-talent combination. The CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Say It Skillfully, featuring your host, Molly Chang. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or join the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter with the hashtag, Say It Skillfully. Now back to your program. Welcome back. 
Our next caller is from sunny Southern California. Teresa, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me. So what situation, what questions on your mind today? So I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm currently a program manager in tech and have about 10 years of experience all within the same company. Although I've worked in many different roles, I've always been a program manager. I really like what I'm doing today, and I'm calling to get advice on how to get ready for the next big thing in my career. In the next few years, I'm considering to make a career transition in some way, and I'm thinking through many different options, but I haven't narrowed it down yet. And I'm finding it a little challenging to get started in this process, and I want to know tips on how to get started. So what advice do you have for people who are considering a possible career transition? What should I be doing to identify my future career path I should take and really gather that information I need to narrow down and make that decision that aligns to my future goals and values? Oh, I love this topic. Thank you, thank you, thank you for raising it, Teresa, and kudos to you for being proactive on it. I love it. Um, so this is um, an exciting topic for me. And I think you'll hear folks say, oh, you can't do career development. You know, it just happens. And I, I personally don't buy into that. I think the extent to which you're intentional um, and purposeful about understanding yourself and what you'd like to do and what you want to do sets you up to either create the opportunities you want, Teresa, or two, to be lucky and really prepared when opportunities arise so that you pick the right, uh, you make the right choice. Um, and, I, and I would just really encourage folks um, to think about what you're doing all along your career. And especially as you're starting out, there's almost no wrong answers. Um, and as you get um, more experienced, as you move along, you tend to specialize a bit. So you start to narrow things down. Um, so I think the, and, and I would really advocate this for folks in any role. You may think you're going to be at a place forever, which is awesome. Um, but being open to what's going on around you um, and then clarifying, you know, what you're doing and why you're getting paid are always just smart things to do career-wise. So I just encourage that. So um, no surprise, it does start with you. And, you know, just being clear on what you um, excel at, strengths, what you may not excel at, you know, we'll call them weaknesses. And sometimes those are things you want to develop and sometimes they're not. You know, you just may not be, you know, you're not going to be a quant jock. Okay, that's fine. So just being clear on an inventory of what am I great at um, and what am I not great at is just what I would call you know, reality. The ability to poll folks and just ask in all different um, venues is always very um, eye-opening potentially and helps with your own self-awareness. And there's many different ways to do it. So lightweight ones might be, you know, what are five words you think of when you think of me and just ask a range of people. Um, you can be more specific, you know, what are some things that you think I do well at? You may have heard the word superpower, right? There's a lot of ways to flavor this. Um, but to, to start to build an accurate sense of how, um, you know, what, what you do do well and how others perceive you. Now, that may not, you may not like what you hear, which is okay. And then it gives you a chance to, to think about, well, um, I, I want to amp up this or that part of my expertise. From a skill set standpoint, you know, if you're in program management, there's a lot of communication, there's a lot of reaching out, um, you're, you're really kind of holding things together. Your, your ability, you may be like, wow, I don't even know what else is out there. So 
I, I think about this as informational interviewing, which is fair game all along anyone's career. And making a habit of maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once every other week, reaching out to folks and being comfortable saying, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I love what I'm doing now. I'm opening my eyes to what other people do. And I'm really curious about what you do. What do you like about it? What do you think it needs to be successful in it? Uh, what are the downsides of it? And just using that as a way to gather information. Um, and, and I would encourage folks to think beyond your own workplace. You can think of your friends, your friends' friends. And, and I, you know, had no idea of roles that existed. You know, when, when I ended some jobs, I didn't even know they were a job. And so that informational interviewing piece is a really great um, tool. So I'll pause for a moment. Is that making sense to you? Any questions from what I've said? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I think making sure I understand my superpowers of how my colleagues observe me and perceive me as being at my best and also maybe some things I can work on would be really great so I can use that and really align that with what I want to do in the future and and make sure that I'm set up for success. And I also love your tips on info interviews. I haven't started them yet. I've actually never networked outside of my current company. I've lived in this small bubble for a long time, and and so I'm really nervous on how to get started. And so I, I like your tips on how to be intentional and reach out to my immediate network or my broader network to just start asking people what they do and kind of keep it casual and learn more. So I think those are all great tips that I will take with me in my early start to explore this process. That's great. Teresa, I appreciate your mentioning it's a little nervy. So, so two things on that. And some folks, and this is real, you know, someone comes back, I hear you're talking to so-and-so. You know, they may not value informational interviewing in a way that I just put forth. They may feel, oh, you're being disloyal to the company. So just be prepared for that. And, you know, my, wow, um, you know, I can see you're a bit angry or whatever the emotional state of that person might be. And, and just say, say a bit more, so you're upset. Why are you upset? I just want to understand why you're upset. And so help them. And, and then you can say, look, I love it here. Um, and I have, you can always blame me. I have a career coach. I have someone I'm working with. And I think it's smart for me to be able to um, know the broader landscapes, so why I can guide my career here um, or wherever makes, uh, I end up in the future in a positive way. And, you know, I think that, that it's important to hold your ground on that because that, you know, actually when people go out and look around and then they stay, it's, it even re- reinforces how much you like the current company that you're at. So hopefully that isn't something that is a disconnect, but it's good to be aware of. The second thing is, uh, is a mantra when you're reaching out to people, right? And you've got these concentric circles. Some people are your close friends, friends of friends. You don't have to be super articulate. You don't have to be super professional. You can kind of just blurt it all out there. That's fine for practice runs, right? So practice with people. How do I sound? Am I coming across? How do I want to come across? Think of to yourself, boy, when I get off the call, what are the three words that I want this person to think of when they think of me? And that'll give you some focus for how you come across. When you have even these informational interviews with people you don't know very well, remember, it's a first impression. So be clear, be calm. If you have questions, it's great to have questions, but don't set yourself up where you sound like you're just all over the place. Make it easy for that person to help you. And that just hopefully gives you some guiding frameworks. Now, if, if you, when you get to a job situation, you're actually looking for roles or opportunities, 
you know, if that person can't help you, oh, is there someone else that you might recommend I speak with is a way to help branch out the network. And the most important thing is that for you to connect with a person, they get that positive energy from you. They're like, well, I want to help Teresa. She sounds like a great gal. I don't have a role or I don't know, you know, in my company, but I'm happy to, to refer you on. So that kind of helps you continue to build the space. And I did not do this super well when I was at your stage, but just keeping a log of it and making it a habit, Teresa, is a really, really, really um, powerful, um, you know, skill set, I would say. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I I think being aware and doing practice calls, that's something new to me. And I appreciate the feedback because I can work on that and make sure I have a really good first impression, whether it is a more of an informal coffee chat with a friend of a friend or a more formal job interview, meet and greet type of thing. So that that would really help me to present myself in the best light and have that person walk away with thinking that I'm a, I'd be a great asset to their company or a future company down the road. Perfect. And I just want to encourage for listeners as well to use the voice memo on your phone and, you know, Play it out a few times if you're a little bit nervous about it. People who are amazing speakers do not just come out of the womb amazing. They practice. So don't hesitate at all to, to listen to yourself. Sometimes we're nervous. We rush a little. It's really hard to get going. So just pace yourself. I'm one prone to that, so I'm very empathetic to that. And um, you know, use that as a learning tool and, and make sure you're coming across in a way that you feel comfortable with, that's authentically you. And then that's all you can do. So don't worry if it's not well-received. That's, thank you very much for your time. Gosh, I really appreciate it and let it go. If there's someone you really want to stay in touch with, Teresa, ask them, is it okay if I call you back in six months? Would that be all right with you? Okay? Yeah, that sounds good. Thank you. That's awesome. I really appreciate your joining the show. And um, is there one top takeaway you want to leave with right now? Well, I really, the top takeaway I have is, how do you go about intentional, thoughtful networking and making sure that when you do that, that you are self-aware and come with, with a good story and carry yourself well so that it just makes a great first impression and the rest will come over time. Fantastic. I'm very proud of you. I appreciate your calling in. I know that takes some courage too. I am cheering for you. You let me know if I can be of more help. Um, and most of all, thank you for being part of the solution, Teresa. Thank you, Molly. Take care. I'm delighted to introduce our next caller, Gal, Gal from Israel, dialing all the way in. Thank you, Gal, for joining me. Molly, thank you very much for uh, having me on your show, uh, episode number nine, Voice America. Say it skillfully. I'm very excited. Thank you for this opportunity. And congratulations for hitting 900,000 views for Say It Skillfully. Thank you. Thank you. What is on your mind today, Gal? How can I help you? Um, first of all, let me tell you that I'm, uh, I'm a great fan of uh, Say It Skillfully. I've uh, been following the series. I've gained tremendous amount of uh, value from uh, listening and practicing it myself. Um, we are all part of the problem. We're all part of the solution. It totally resonates with me. Now, Molly, in, in your series, uh, you talk a lot about conflicts and how to best uh, resolve them. Um, conflict in workplace are nothing new, and, and there's obviously some evidence that uh, 
healthy conflicts can be beneficial for the business organization. Now, the problem is, Molly, that sometimes conflict can take a sinister turn. And that, unfortunately, takes place when an employee, a manager, or your own boss may embark on a campaign of psychological terrorism against you or any other employee. I want to talk about bullying or its worst uh, form, mobbing, and how we can best, using Say It Skillfully method, mitigate this form of cultural behavior. Now, just to share with you, I this topic is close to my heart as I personally was a victim um, of bullying. I also remember uh, your friend, Antonio Niente Rodriguez, which is a global guru, shared one of the posts uh, the time when his bosses were jealous that he was doing outside activities such as giving lessons or delivering keynotes, he described this as a difficult period. Um, to share from my own experience, Molly, I, I tried almost everything. I tried effective communication, attempting to successfully um, project uh, to my boss what I wanted my boss to hear and not what I thought I was saying. I tried using courage, possibility, attentiveness, nothing worked and things got even worse for me. Molly, my question for you today is what can we as both employees and employers do to combat workplace bullying and mobbing? Well, Gal, thank you for bringing up this very important topic. Uh, and first off, I'm sorry that you had to experience that. We have become uh, close friends through this whole LinkedIn, which I'm grateful for, and I can feel how um, how it has hurt you. And um, I know that you did everything you can. So um, I, for all the folks who have gone through some version of this, whether it was playground bullying or something more intense in the workplace, I hope that folks will be their best friend and realize you're not a bad person. And you need, you need to remember that for yourself, first and foremost, because um, that's something that no one can take away from you. Uh, the bullying topic, you know, I, I guess I'd like to break it down in two ways. And one is, if it really is um, an intentional cultural aspect that, that somehow um, is part of an organization that that's just what they do is bully, then, you know, it has, it really has nothing to do with say it skillfully. I can appreciate that all the techniques um, that you put forth to try to work in your situation, gal. But if it's really, that's what they are. The, the bigger question is why are you there? Why are you there? And I think that does come down to a sense of self. I could imagine um, that people think, well, there's something wrong with me, right? I, I'm a failure because this bullying thing is happening. And I just want to relieve people of that and give yourself permission to say, you're not a bad person. It's just not a fit for you. And you don't even need to try to make people bad or wrong. Just acknowledge it's not a fit. And that you, as your best friend, need to find a place that is a good fit for you and give yourself permission to move on. Sometimes it's just not meant to be. And that's all right. 
And the important thing is to, to figure that out sooner than later. So let's just take that part away. Does that make sense, Gal? Yeah, obviously, this is, uh, makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'd like with your permission to move forward to my next question. Um, Molly, what do you think businesses should do today in order to be aware and alert of signs for bullying and mobbing? So I think this is a great system opportunity. When we say the system, that could be two people, it could be a company, it could be a church group, a sports team, but that whole and creating transparency and understanding for what it is, is a first step without pointing any fingers at anybody. Um, and I'll just use as an example, I had um, been with a group of folks and a number of the folks had worked with each other very closely for many years. And so it was very easy for them to joke around and they would literally kind of poke fun, make jabs at each other. And, and they thought nothing of it. The folks who were newer to the team found that a little like bullying. They, they were intimidated by it because they didn't have, you know, 10 years of hanging out as buddies to handle that. And, and we're not making anyone bad or wrong, but the ability for the folks who realize that, wow, when someone doesn't know us for 10 years, these behaviors may not come across in the way that we intend. And so for that to happen, the folks who are experiencing that need to find a skillful way to just raise it. You know, hey, and it may not be in a full group that you bring it up. Maybe one-on-one. Hey, you know, I noticed that so-and-so, you know, you, you jab so-and-so. And, you know, I, I just wanted to know if it's okay. I share with you how that landed for me. And just helping that person appreciate that their behavior didn't come across to another person the way they intended. So that's about understanding, about empathetic understanding. And if teams just start to have that dialogue there's number one, just an awareness of what this word is, what this word is to us. At the same time, we're not trying to have everyone be a softy, like we have to be perfect wording and create this space. So how does a team come to a place where they're all comfortable with um, how we want to treat each other? And I don't want to, um, that, that is for the team to decide, right? So for some teams, they may have a bit more aggressive and uh, punchier style and people don't take things so personally that could work for them. Other teams may have a lower bar. There maybe they're a little bit more polite. And again, that's not necessarily better or worse, but a group of people, they need to come together and align on that. So I think the first step is getting the word out there and talking about it and what it looks like. Does that make sense? Yeah, great. Um, definitely makes sense. Uh, my next question would be, I think, Molly, what, what steps should we take uh, to foster a healthy work environment? Ah, this, is, this is the core of say it skillfully, right? To be able to be who you really are, to say what you think needs to be said so we get to this shared reality. Um, so I, I do think that the biggest step, and I would say that we, as you mentioned, all part of the problem, all part of the solution. Create I love space, this. Right, so people can, can um, be who they are. And to... Um, look at a colleague, interact with a colleague at a very human level. And by this, I don't mean being super gushy or marshmallowy at all. I think sometimes people think about, they hear the word vulnerability and we all freak out. But, you know, all of us have gone through stuff in life. Um, and what's really defined us has tended to be the things that are harder. They have been our struggles. And if we can um, have some comfort with that, that that is who we are and that 
to be generous of our souls, we need to share that rather than hold it back or pretend that we're all perfect, which none of us are. That would be a huge first step. And obviously, when that starts at the top, it's a much faster way to permeate through an organization. And the ability to be real and to be who one is, is, you know, I think our biggest gift to others. At the same time, for folks who are in the bowels of an organization, when you show that you are confident and self-assured and being who you are, that you're going to respect people for who they are, that is a way that you're part of the solution. And so for me, that's just first, second, and third um, in, in getting started on the right foot. Great. Um, I think my, my last question would be like, what do we do, Molly, when none of the say it skillfully technique works for us? So I think this lands, and I, I think I come up to this almost every single show, sometimes it's not meant to be. And um, it's okay. So I think sometimes for those who are high achievers, there's a sense that we can always make it right. We can always make it better. Somehow I can fix it. And if I don't fix it, I am a failure. And so I just want to, to note that as potentially a limiting belief. Sometimes things are not meant to be. And by the way, we can let things go without necessarily making the other person or situation bad or wrong. In the case of a bully, okay, let's just say this person, you know, is not open to changing, is not open to being part of the problem, doesn't really care how other people feel. It could be easy to, to make that an evil, bad person. I would encourage folks to view that person with a lot of compassion. They are not in good relationship with themselves. And we have to feel bad for them because that's a hard way to go through life. So, you know, I, I think the more that we can really practice that kind of kindness to let it go and then also, you know, to learn because it, it, along the way in relationships that don't go well, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to think it's always the other person. Well, of course, we're all part of the problem. What are some of the things when you reflect back that may have been places where you could either have put something out there or found out something sooner or not let it go as long, right? There's always something in hindsight that can be a, a, a takeaway. So use that as a gift of learning and then go forward and, and put, put all those learnings uh, to good use. I like to use the saying, gal, listen, we're all about making new mistakes. If you're not making mistakes in life, the right kind, we're not growing, right? We're not pushing it. We're not being the best we can be. So the idea is, you know, talk to people, learn what their mistakes are, and, and just make new ones. And if we're making new mistakes, you know, if we're, 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 we're improving, we're getting better, we're going places. And I think that, that um, that's a fun place to be. Yeah, that's a great uh, state of mind. We're all part of the problem. We're all part of the solution. Molly, thank you very much. You have been a gift, my friend. I, uh, I cannot thank you enough for your amazing support um, and encouragement. Uh, before we close here, do you have a particular top takeaway that you'd share with our folks? Um, thank you very much for uh, the appreciation, for the validation and the accreditation. Uh, it, it means a lot to me, and, and you and Say It Skillfully means a lot to me. Um, I think that the big takeaway is that uh, transparency and honesty uh always i think plays um, a, a tremendous great deal of who you are in moving forward 
So be transparent with everyone around you. Be kind. Uh, treat others as you would like to be treated. Um, and yeah, I think that's what makes us uh, interact very, very well with others. That's what I would like to bring over to everyone uh, out there. Say, uh, say skillfully definitely is, um, I think, language that each and one of us should uh, practice and understand that this is the way for us to communicate. Thank you, Molly, for uh, bringing this to us and being the sound uh, voice of uh, this beautiful method. It's been my pleasure. I thank you for joining me today and all of us for being part of the solution. You take good care and we'll be in touch. Yep. Thank you very much. Have a good day. We've had a lot of wisdom for our callers and I have great appreciation for all of them. Um, for those uh, on LinkedIn, I just sent out a video on appreciation, and I might encourage folks this week to really think about leaning into that. Appreciate yourself, appreciate others, and just notice um, how people respond to you. And uh, my sense is it will be a very positive thing, um, and also hopefully some way a way that you feel even more positive about yourself. So I thank you for tuning in. That is a wrap for our show today. Please. Reflect on your own top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and at home. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 